Well, good morning, and good morning to Cafe Church, and as Angie said, we start a new series today called Whole Life Worship, and um, as the name suggests, it's talking about what it means to be a Christian in this world on a 24-7 basis, on um, the days or the, or the days that we're not here, um, we spend probably a couple of hours here on a Sunday morning, and we spend 166 hours that aren't here on a Sunday morning. And this um, series, which goes on, I think, for five weeks, and this is just the, um, the introduction, um, looks at that. And um, we're using material from um, LICC, which is the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. Um, we've used some stuff before, a couple of years ago. Um, it's really good, and the stuff they produce is absolutely excellent. Um, there's a book that's been written called Whole Life Worship and by Sam and Sarah Hargreaves. And in fact, they're the people that are coming next Saturday to run this workshop. And if you are involved in any way on uh, leading our Sunday mornings, can I encourage you to come uh, on that Saturday? Even if, even if you can't do the whole day, come for um, part of the day. It's a really good couple, and we're using um, some of their material. Um, but the material that we're using most comes in this book, and um, it's the Bible. And um, if you are coming, can I recommend that you bring a Bible with you? You may have it on your phone or your uh, tablet. Um, if not, there are um, a number at the back. And if you'd like to go and um, get one and use one, um, that will be great. We're going to be looking at a passage from um, 1 Peter um, this morning. See, the fact of the matter is, in general, if you tell people that you go to church, they think you do so because you're religious or maybe your friends are there and it's a really good place to meet them. Or maybe it's a good, people have heard that Holy Baptists have a really good support network and it's, um, they're pleased that you go to such a community. And while there's a grain of truth in all of these things, they miss what the New Testament suggests the church is all about. When Peter begins his letter to a small group of Christians scattered across what is now Turkey, he wants them to understand what is meant to be a church. He does it by helping them see themselves as part of the Old Testament people of God. And he uses two key words and a stunning truth. So let's read, sorry Rob, um, can we have the passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you've got a church Bible, you've got a Bible that looks like this, it's on page 1217. And Peter says, it's all right. Yep, we're there. Peter, he's the person writing the letter. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And that's the opening paragraph of his letter to these churches in what is now Turkey. And he picks up on two words and a, um, what did I, how did I describe it? Two words and a stunning truth. And the first word that we look at is in that passage, he describes the people as being elected. I like to keep my congregation awake. So who in this country is elected? Answers? The Prime Minister is elected by 
MPs and members of his party. Yep, so the Prime Minister's elected. Who else is elected? Local councils elected. Elders and deacons are elected, thank you. Anybody else? Um, church members, yeah, um, sort of. We do, we do vote, um, and um, yeah, sort of. It's, it's yeah, 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 probably it's an arguable one. Um, MPs, we we vote in um, our local MPs. And what does elected mean? Well, elected means you're chosen. I noticed whilst looking this up, there was a local election for parish councillors in Stourport on Tuesday. And the, um, the councillor that got in, got in with 175 votes. And he was the person that got most votes. And um, you just think sometimes we don't take our votings um, responsibly. Because with, with election comes privilege. Oh, sorry, hold on. So, it, they're, they're, they're the words, elected, scattered, and there's a stunning truth. Move on. We're God's elect. There we go. Caught up. There are privileges of being elected. So if you're the Prime Minister, that one of the privileges of being um, elected is you get to live in 10 Downing Street. If you are an MP, you have what they call parliamentary privilege. You can say what you like about anybody and there is no um, chance of um, the, the law of slander against you. If you're an elder or deacon at this church, you have the privilege of going to leadership team meetings, and they really are a privilege. <laughs> and as Christians, we're told in that passage, that in verse 3, that, um, I'll, I'll read it, Praise be to the God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our privileges of being a Christian, I haven't put it, oh, we're going miles too far. Let's go, should look at this. There we go, privilege of election. I didn't write this down. We have two privileges of being um, um, elected as God's people. The first one is we have new birth in Jesus. We have new birth in Jesus. The old is gone. The, the, the religious word is sin. The things that we do wrong are washed away. God looks at us as being perfect despite our imperfections. And the second inherit, the, the second thing we have, the second privilege we have of being a Christian is that we come into the living hope, into an inheritance. And verse 4 describes that inheritance that can never perish never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We have a promise of eternal life that starts now. If you're a person that doesn't yet know Jesus in a personal way, then this part of the message is for you. Just consider what is stopping you becoming a child of God, of, God, of knowing God and a personal relationship and being elected and having that inheritance of eternal life. That is the privilege that God gives us. But with election also comes a job. I'm nervous about clicking this on now. Um, let's try. There we are. We have 
a job to do. If you are elected, you are elected to do something. Just about all types of elections. So if you're the Prime Minister, you're elected to run the country. If you are the local MP, you are elected to represent your constituency in Parliament. If you are an elder or a deacon of the church, you are elected to lead the church. If you're the worship deacon, you are elected to um, sort out everything that goes on on a Sunday. If you're the prayer deacon, you are elected to improve the prayer life of the church. We are told to do a job. And as Christians, we have been elected and we have the privileges of election, but we also have a job to do. And... um, What is that job that God gives us to do? Well, probably a good place to start is the last thing that Jesus said before his ascension. He said to his disciples, I've got something for you to do. And last words are, um, I just thought we'd have a slight diversion. We'd look at some famous last words. So who said, um, I told you I was ill? yeah, you, you probably saw it. Yeah, in fact, I'm not sure he actually said it, but it's on his, it's on his, it's on his gravestone. So um, Spike Milligan said, um, I told you I was ill. Who said, um, I just lost my way a little bit. Um, who said, sorry, sir, I didn't mean to. Oh, got you. Who said, sorry, sir, I didn't mean to. Her last words. No? Well, it was Marie Antoinette. And she actually said it because she stood on the toe of the person that was going to execute her. The person that operated the guillotine, he, um, she stood on his toe and said, pardon, I didn't mean to do it. Um, and who said, I knew I should have stuck to whiskey rather than martini? Not Macadagia? Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. And what did Jesus say? as his last words before he was ascended to heaven, slightly more seriously and probably more actual and more truth. From Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Do you want to stick that up for us, Rob? But when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the place they were at the time, in all Judea, the sort of surrounding area, in Samaria, the place that um, people they didn't like, and um, we know from the story of the Good Samaritan, it, it was the person they didn't get on with, the person that was different to them and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And this is what we have been elected to do. We have been elected to be witnesses. Yes, we have been elected to love the Lord our God, with heart, soul and mind, and to love others ourselves. But the last thing Jesus says to his disciples is to be witnesses. In fact, he doesn't say, I want you to be my witnesses. What he actually says is, you will be my witnesses. Whether you like it or not, if you love me and you follow me, you are my witness. And what is a witness? Well, it's somebody who sees something or hears something and possibly testifies to it. So if you see a car crash, you might wish to go up to the um, owner of the car that's been driven into to say, I saw that, I know it wasn't your fault, I'm a witness, if the insurance company has a question, here is my name and address. 
Or maybe you see a crime being, um, somebody running away from a house and um, you go to the police and you are a witness. And as that witness, you may then be called to testify in court or the insurance company may ask you. um, But also, if you see somebody drive into somebody else, you could just walk away. Or if you see somebody running away with a bag of swag over their shoulder, you can decide to look, well, you've seen it, but not tell anybody. You are still a witness. You've seen it. You know the truth, but you decide to keep it to yourself. And, and Jesus says, his last words, is that we are all witnesses. He doesn't say, Peter and Philip, you're going to be the witnesses. Matthew and Bartholomew, I want you to go and feed the hungry. Simon and James, you can put the chairs out. The fact is, we are all witnesses. The way we witness may be different, and that is right. And that's why I find this LICC material quite helpful. And um, Rob's got a terrible job this morning. He's got videos and passages. But here's a video from LICC, which I'd like you to watch. So I hope you get the idea. We're the red dots, and on a Sunday we are all together, and then as the week goes on, um, we go out into the the grey, and the grey is represented by the people that don't yet know Jesus. And and we probably, the vast majority of us, spend far more time out there than we do in here. About 6% of people go to church once a month. It's not a great number, but it is significant. Um, those that know me well know that I always like to do an experiment or something slightly different. Last time I preached, I'm, I tried to do a social experiment. And it was all about the fact that we followed the crowd. It went horribly wrong. Um, doesn't matter. Not to be put off. Um, I'm going for a chemical experiment this morning. And um, it sort of worked at home. So here we are. Um, I haven't really quite worked this out I'm going to do this yet. Right, so. So. Now, you can see a glass of water, which you you can see is fairly grey. Yes? You're with me. Fairly grey. Good. And yes, you can need to hold this. (laughs) Here comes us into that grey world. 
and you can see it turns fairly pink. Now the trouble is, storms of life come, and um, it can. And if we're not careful, that pink can turn fairly grey again. And what you actually need, so therefore some more pink. Oh, I'll stop there. Yeah. You get the idea. Hopefully you get the idea. And the idea is that as Christians, we go out into that world, and we're not going to turn, we're, we're, we're probably, possibly, I don't want to say we're not, possibly we're not going to be Peter, who is going to stand and preach to thousands, and 3,000 will suddenly turn to Christ. That may happen. God, that is within God's capability. It's more likely that we will speak to our work colleague, our neighbour, the person at home, the person we see at the school gates, wherever it is, and we'll just share our love with them, and they may just turn a little pink. It's a road to coming to know Jesus as your saviour, and maybe the first step is just us speaking um, to them. And let's be, let's be honest, some of us think this is great and easy and fine. The vast majority of us find this quite difficult. It's all right when we're in a church meeting and, um, and we talk about buildings and but actually what's more important is bringing people into our building and everybody nods and says, yes, that's right. But the fact of the matter is, and we are also a scattered people. And the people of Israelite were also scattered. If you know your Old Testament history, um, um, Israel went to two kingdoms, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, and then they were both overtaken by the Babylonians. And one of the things the Babylonians did to Oberon was take them out of their own country and scatter them to take away Israel's power. And they were a scattered people. And if we read back in um, Acts chapter um, um, 1, which we just read, um, Jesus ascended to heaven, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter speaks to a huge crowd. Peter, who just previously had been denying that he even knew Jesus, we move on in Acts in chapter 7, opposition starts. There is a first martyr, Stephen. And then we get to chapter 8, and we read that um, Saul approved of the people killing Stephen. And on that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. They were scattered to exactly where Jesus said they were to preach the gospel. And the fact of the matter is, we are a scattered people. Great when we're here at church on a Wednesday or on a Sunday, but most of the time we're out on our own. And I think I've probably told this story against myself before, and I'm embarrassed, but I will say it again. That when I was about 18, 19, um, my dad played bowls, you know, um, on grass, flat green bowls, and I went along to see what was going on, and it ended up I started playing as well. Um, I was about 18, 19, the next youngest person in that bowls club was my dad, which gives you a bit of a clue, and he was the best part of 30 years older than me. So I was, being, and I used to, I was working in London at the time, and um, I was also a Christian, and I, on a Sunday I went to church and I helped with the Sunday school. And when I went to work on a Monday, the people would say, um, do you have a good weekend? And I'd go, yes, thank you. And they'd say, what did you do? And you know, there was the occasion where I was more embarrassed I was embarrassed about playing bowls, because that's not exactly the most cool thing to do. And I was also embarrassed about the fact I went to church, 
Because that, to me, as an 18 and 19-year-old, didn't seem to be the most cool thing to do, to do either. And I can remember at one point, I actually told somebody I played bowls before I told them that I went to church. And do you know what happened when I did actually tell the people I worked with, particularly sort of friends that I played bowls and I went to church? Actually, they were quite interested. And at least they were polite about both. See, we had a church meeting on Wednesday and we voted by a large majority to take the first steps in extending our building outline um, out where the grass is. And it was done by a large majority, not unanimous, which is absolutely fine. But what did come out from that meeting and also from the previous church meeting and, um, is that people in this church have a heart for the people that aren't in this church. I made a mention on Wednesday that there's a film called um, Field of Dreams and it's all about um, this person that has this vision about baseball, a baseball team. And, and basically somebody says to him, you build it, they will come. And he's talking about building a baseball um, square. Um, and um, I don't believe that is right for our church. People sometimes say about church buildings, if you build the church, people will come. And that may be the case. But actually, what will bring people to our church? It's us going out and building relationships and building friendships. And when it is the right time, talking about our faith. Um, I asked Pam, is she here? Oh, Pam, would you like to come to the front? Oh. And the answer is yes, I do need a microphone. <laughs> and um, we're talking about the, the place outside church being our front line. And Pam, can you tell me um, recently what has been a front line for you? Helping with winter night shelter here. Great. And can you just tell me what winter night shelter is? Yes, I and about 20 others put on winter night shelter at our church. Renewed Hope Trust, in conjunction with the local council, offer food and accommodation to the homeless. And local churches are involved. So for five Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, we had on average about eight guests. Here we fed them, we played games, we chatted... They went to bed, they got up in the morning, they had the best bacon butties of the whole um, set up and then they went away about eight o'clock with some warm food inside them. Brilliant. And can you tell me, were you able to speak about your faith to them? We were not allowed to talk Christian matters because we had very little information about our guests. We... Um, we knew their names, and I think that was about all, really. Um, but you could tell that they were extremely grateful for what we were doing. And so it was a matter of being able to say, well, we wanted to share God's love with you. And that was all we were able to do. But you could tell that they appreciated that. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And that, a round of applause for Pam. And that is all, all, it's not all, is it? That is what we are asking people to do, is just be able to say, um, um, express the love of God in their lives, either through words or through actions. Um, that's why, if you look at the back, um, there's a notice board, and that notice board used to have four different diagrams of what our new church building might look at um, on 
Wednesday after the church meeting, once we decided we were going to build something out there, we took, that notice, we took those notices down. If you want to see them, come and see me. I can show them to you. But up there now is a map of Hawley and its surrounding area, um, Judea in, in our language, the, the surrounding area around Jerusalem. And there's also another map that is just, just Hawley. And um, what we'd like you to do, um, either today or in the next week or so, is go and grab a red pin or pins and stick them in the map as to where your front line is, where you meet people um, that don't yet know Jesus. So I've gone and stuck, I've gone and stuck one up at um, Surrey Downs Golf Course, um, which is up by Kingswood, and I've stuck one in St Philip's Church Hall in Rygate, because that's where I play table tennis, the local table tennis league. And there's just two places where I have the opportunity, when the conversation arises, to talk about my faith and who Jesus is. One way we can, another way we can do this is through the um, Try Praying book. Um, the idea is this week you spend, you spend the seven days reading the book and then from next Sunday you look for opportunities to pass that book to somebody. Um, somebody you know, somebody who you think it might be useful to. Um, if you're not brave at all, you could leave it on a bus or in the library. As Angie said, every church in Hawley is in this. We, we've got 200 of these books. So if you're really good at this, you might give it to a friend and then please come back and get another one and then give that away. There must be about, I don't know, a thousand of these books um, that people in Hawley have got to give to um, neighbours, friends. And we've got a video, another video, um, Rob, that says a little bit more about Try Praying. Read the Try Praying booklet yourself, thinking and praying about who to give it to. Then give it away. That's it. Use it and lose it. Come and wake my soul. Come and wake my Got far to go, and it's so hard now. Caught in the river, God, if you're there, and I'm not sure you are, but if you are, I want to know you. I don't want to fool myself, I really want to know you. Try praying. Let's start a conversation. Great. Thank you. Um, I, um, I knew about this initiative. A couple of weeks ago, I went to meet um, one of my ex-work colleagues um, for a drink in a pub in Rygate. And um, hadn't seen him for 18 months. And um, so it was just sort of catch up. And um, we talked about um, work and just how good it was for me to be retired. Um, we talked about uh, rugby, 
and um, we talked about family. I appreciate the women in the room might have done it in a slightly different order, but that's us blokes. Let's talk about work first, and then let's talk about sports, and then, oh, yes, and let's talk about our children. And, um, and I imagined, and I didn't have one at the time, but I imagined, um, and I said to Angie, before I go out, I'm going to imagine I've got that tri-prime book in my pocket. Um, and I'm not going to steer the conversation in any way towards godly things, church, religion, um, my faith. I'm just going to see how the conversation goes. And in my mind, I'm going to see, is, would, there, would there have been an opportunity to give um, this chap um, um, this book? And, um, and we talked about work, and that was great. And um, then we talked about rugby, and that was um, fine. Then we talked about children, and um, I said, oh, how old's your oldest now? He said, oh, 10. I said, oh, you know, I must be thinking about secondary schools. What's secondary school? Um, you know, you're hoping for your child to go to. And he said, well, really want them to go to St. Bede's. And um, he said, but um, we need to do the church thing to get them in there. And um, I said, oh, that's interesting. And, um, and which church? And, um, and, and just was able to say, well, you know, is that going to be difficult for you? You know, where do you, you know, what do you think and what do you stand? And I, and I came to the conclusion that if I'd had this book in my pocket at that time, it would not have been difficult at all to say, well, actually... Um, you know, try praying about it. And, and the great thing about this is, once we give in the book, it's down to God then. It's, it, 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 whether they pray or not is up to them. And how God replies or responds to their prayers is down to God. It's not up to us. Once they've got the book, that's, that's, don't worry about it. And, um, and I did say, you know, if I'd had it, I would have said, um, if you don't like it, just give it back to me or put it in the bin or just leave it somewhere. Um, so please do try take it. Um, I couldn't give it to him because I didn't have it in my pocket. Um, you won't be able to give this booklet away unless you have it with you. So please do read it. Um, read it you know, over the next seven days. You want to be really keen and um, read it over three days and then you can, you, you can pass it out and you can get another one next week. But please do have it with you and you might find it a way to introduce somebody to God. And one more quick commercial, which is a bit cheeky, but I'll do it anyway. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to Kyrgyzstan with Tim Hill, and we took an eye scanner there. Do you remember that? Some of you will remember that. Um, we're going again in um, uh, April, and um, we're, this time we're taking wheelchairs and walkers and that sort of thing um, to... I haven't got time to explain it now. Um, but we're going to do a quiz night. I think it's in yours um, sometime um, in March. Um, it'll be a really, really good... I promise you, it'll be a really, really good quiz night. Um, Maybe, if you're finding it difficult to, you've got a friend or a neighbour or a husband or whoever it is, you find it difficult to bring them to church, you find it difficult to give them a tri prane leaflet, why not just invite them to a quiz night? I promise you there's no difficult religious questions on Ezekiel. It'll just be a fun night. But let's, as a church, start to think. And it'd be great if there are church teams as well. I'm not saying don't come. Please do come. Um, if you want to raise some money. Um, but maybe we start thinking about things like that. Well, actually, rather than who in the church could I bring to that quiz night? Who, who, who's got the best brain? Let me be on their team. Actually start thinking, actually, my husband, neighbour, friend, somebody I know, they'd quite enjoy that. They'd quite enjoy that. It'd be non-threatening. It'd be really well done. Um, I'll bring them along. Let's just start to think as a church how we can make those red dots turn the grey pink. So let's recap. We are an elected chosen people we have a privilege we are privileged in that we are children of god we have a job to do we are a scattered people on a day-to-day we are red dots 
in a sea of grey. And yet there is that stunning truth. From verse 2 of 1 Peter it said, You people have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Christ Jesus and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. There's quite a lot of long words, long religious words in there. But the blood refers to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And because of that, we can be confident in our relationship with God. And it also talks about the sanctifying of the work of the Holy Spirit. What changed Peter from the coward who said he didn't know Jesus three times to the person that stood up to the whole crowd was the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have the power of that same Holy Spirit today. We experience it in slightly different ways and not, we are not all the same. But believe, we have God's power in our lives. This has been quite a couple of weeks, I think, at Holy Baptist Church. Um, we've had prayer and fasting. We've had uh, prayer meetings. We've had breakfasts. We've had church meetings. And principally, they've been about buildings and whether or not we should build But actually, for me, the theme that came through week after week and meeting after meeting was the overriding desire of people in this place to tell others of the saving grace of Jesus. And I ask, is this the start of God doing something in HBC? I don't know how you feel at the end of this first series about red dots and the LICC and tri-praying and frontline Sundays. Um, my hope, um, people, that, people that know me love, I know, love a n- 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 things that, letters that make a word. And um, my hope is that after today, firstly, you will feel affirmed. We just sung those songs. We are a child of God. God is on our side. If God is for us, who can be? Against us. I'd hate you to go away from this morning thinking the thing they want us to do next is to dish out these books. That is not it at all. It is God moving in our lives and obeying his command to be, tell others and be witnesses. So I want you to be affirmed of who you are. You are a child of God. I want you to be challenged. Or I hope you feel challenged as you walk away. In football parlance, it would be, are you up for it? I'm not sure that's quite a Christian expression, but that is what I mean, is having heard this, having been reminded of what God's commandment is, are we challenged? And then the E, I've got, I've struggled here, so I'll put both of them up. Um, Firstly, we are empowered, we are empowered by God's Holy Spirit to go and make disciples. In Jerusalem where we are, in Judea, in the surrounding area, in Samaria to the people we don't necessarily get on with or we don't like, to the ends of the earth. But mostly I hope that you are excited that God is going to do great things in this church through these people. And the really good news for you, because I know you love, everybody loves a freebie, um, as you go out, um, just as a, a little reminder, I'd like you to pick up one of these. It's a coaster for you to put your glass or your mug of tea on, either at work or at home or wherever you want, really. We, we've got one for everybody. So just as you walk out the door, as well as your 2020 prayer card, you'll be... You'd be carrying everything. Also pick, up, also pick up one of these. Put it somewhere where you'll remind you that you are one of these red dots in that sea of grey.